Annie McLaughlin here for Stick Together, a half hour of workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. We come to you from 3CR on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation with respect to the elders, past, present and emerging. We are coming to you on your community radio station through the Community Radio Network. Our main feature today is the Transport Workers' Union win against Qantas. Qantas was found to have illegally outsourced 1,700 jobs during the pandemic. We speak to Assistant National Secretary of the TWU about the win. But first, some union news. Poultry workers took strike action at Ingram's Adelaide and Perth sites on September the 22nd over a pay dispute. The workers, members of the United Workers' Union, took a 24-hour stop work action in pursuit of a 6% pay rise over three years, which would equate to a $1.50 per hour increase. UWU National Secretary Tim Kennedy said the strike would have significant ramifications for the supply of chickens to major retailers, not only in South Australia but across the eastern seaboard. The workers have been bargaining with Ingrams since the beginning of the year about trying to get a cost-of-living wage increase as part of their three-year bargaining pattern. During that time, Ingrams have actually been bringing in enormous profits. They increased their profits in the last year by 72% to $60.5 million. In Queensland, a predominantly young female workforce of retail workers at Mint My Desk have formed a grassroots campaign, Mint My Desk Workers United, for minimum wages, penalty rates, back pay and pay slips. As the workers stepped up their action with a public rally in Brisbane, the management closed the Brisbane Uptown, previously Maya Centre, and Chemside stores from Tuesday to Thursday, citing declining sales, but the workers have interpreted it as a lockout. Mint My Desk, a stationery company, has 18 stores nationally, while its parent company, Million Life, is an arcade-style company and has 31 stores with plans to expand to 300 stores in the next three years. Some staff say that they are paid as low as $18 an hour. The minimum retail award wage is $24.73 for a full-time or part-time employed adult. However, most staff are employed on a casual basis, entitling them to a 25% loading according to the General Retail Industry Award. This dispute is ongoing. In Victoria, 14 members of the ETU, the Electrical Trades Union, employed at Enersin, Thomastown, which manufactures batteries for industrial application, mostly telecommunications, are now in their ninth week of strike action. Green Left reports that the night before the electricians were going to implement work bans, a part of their enterprise bargaining campaign, management emailed saying they would not be paid if they carried out the bans. 
they unanimously voted at a site meeting on July the 26th to walk off the job until Enesin revoked its threat. HR manager Linda Ratkovic told the delegates in August, let's see who starves first. The electricians want a pay rise comparable with inflation, a restructuring of wage classifications and better working conditions. They are some of the lowest paid ETU members. Still in Victoria, the RBTU, the Rail, Bus and Tram Union, reported that members have voted 96% in favour of industrial action. The union said this resounding rejection of MTM's latest offer is only strengthened knowing that over 83% of RTBU members made their voices heard. It is expected that there will be train shutdowns on Friday, October the 6th and Wednesday, October the 11th. The union members are focusing on the following issues in the negotiations. Job security, claims such as no force redundancies and consultation provisions are carefully designed to deal with the threats to jobs by technology change. This includes the implementation of new ticketing systems, impacts of CBTC and new projects. These claims are of non-financial nature and seek to maintain valuable railway careers and secure classification structures. Salary and equality. These claims deal with fair treatment of sick and injured workers, looking after members who have been assaulted and fair treatment through equitable processes. Wages and conditions. These claims deal with more direct financial and work-life balance conditions such as the 36-hour week with no loss of pay. Finally, strike action pending for NTEU National Tertiary Education Union members at Melbourne University with a branch-wide strike starting at 12pm October the 2nd to 11.59pm on October the 8th. This follows a week-long strike earlier in the month as management fails to look at the issue of 80% secure jobs at the university rather than relying on a casualised workforce to maintain academic and support services on campus. Stick, stick together. together. Yeah. Stick together. together. Yeah. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. Qantas took its right to sack a workforce of 1,700 ground staff overnight a month before EBA negotiations began through the entire court system on appeal after first being told that it was illegal against the Fair Work Act provisions. Qantas said it had done no more than exercise an employer's right to bring the employment relationship to an end rather than allow it to continue until the law might confer to the employee greater rights. Qantas said it should not be penalised for taking adverse action to prevent an employee acquiring further rights, the exercise of which at the time of the adverse action would have been unlawful. In its last bid to have the decision overturned, the High Court unanimously found that indeed Qantas breached the Fair Work Act 
outsourcing workers prevented them accessing industrial rights to collectively bargain and take protected industrial action. The Qantas decision was not just a commercial decision, but partially designed to curb workers' industrial rights. We spoke to Assistant National Secretary of the Transport Workers' Union, Nick McIntosh, about the momentous win for the TWU and its members. Thanks very much for talking to me today. It's a marvellous win for the TWU members who were working and were sacked by Qantas. Can you tell me uh, what their feelings are about this win? Oh, look, uh, on one level, they're ecstatic. Obviously, they've, they've stuck to their guns. They've had a really torrid three years, along with their families, um, fighting this, being dragged through court after court. Every time they win, another appeal is lodged, and it, and it just prolongs the battle. Um, so in that sense, they feel they feel some sort of justice has been done. But, of course, the, 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 the truth is that Many of these people would rather have been working there for the last three years and, and no matter what happens now, uh, they will not get their jobs back. So there's still a, a tinge of, of sadness and, and of the fact that uh, in spite of Qantas's illegal actions, um, they still won't be able to, uh, to ever return to, uh, to work. So that there is a, a bit of a tinge of sadness to it all, but um, at least they feel justified uh, in their in their battle and what they've been saying about their treatment for the last three years. Well, uh, Michael Kane has said that uh, the TWU is going to be calling for uh, uh, penalties as well as um, compensation. What does that look like for those workers? Look, ultimately, it's it's up to the court. But really, this is the uh, largest illegal sacking in Australian history by a country mile. Um, this is unprecedented territory for for courts dealing with these sorts of matters. So we'll just have to uh, go through the system and, and do the best that we can. But uh, Qantas is potentially up for, you know, over $100 million in penalties alone. And, and really, uh, it's anyone's guess on compensation because that depends on a number of factors. So um, we'll see how this all plays out. But I, I would hazard a guess that, uh, that Qantas will be up for significant penalties one way or the other. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's um, not just these workers that were lives that were at stake. Uh, it was the uh, uh, legislation uh, that uh, is behind the Fair Work Commission's um, authority, too, wasn't it? Well, that's right. Uh, the, this is a real test for the for the Fair Work Act and, and whether whether that particular part of the of the act really meant anything because. If Qantas's case had, case had gotten up, uh, what it would have done is said to every employer in the country, you can outsource your workforce uh, to, to bring in lower paid workers so long as you do it uh, when you are not sitting at the table with them bargaining. So it basically just would give them a blueprint to corporate Australia in the way to get rid of workforces that they didn't like or, or they thought were overpaid. Um, so, so on one level, um, that's a helpful um, outcome for the Fair Work Act. The problem, of course, is that Qantas are still going to end up with a much lower paid workforce uh, in its supply chain in place of, of, of workers that were on you know, reasonably paid, secure jobs. And that is a weakness in the Fair Work Act, that this was able to happen at all. And there are laws in front of Parliament right now that would close this loophole, that would make sure that um, companies like Qantas could never do such a, a thing again because they would not get the desired outcome, which in this case, of course, was basically to pay people less money to do the same job. So 
we would really urge federal parliament to look at this case, look at the plight of these workers and, and change the laws to make sure this couldn't happen again. There's so many elements about uh, the Qantas case which is so murky and, and in fact Joyce's uh, management style has been called spiteful. Uh, when you look back over what actually happened, uh, this decision by Qantas which was that a month before the um, new uh, EBA was to be negotiated, that was when they decided to actually sack people. Well that's exactly right and and the Joyce dictatorship, really, and when you look at the, the lack of governance there now, where it appears that whatever he came up with on any given day, the board would simply rubber stamp without uh, asking too many questions, as it is now becoming readily apparent with any number of issues Qantas is facing. Uh, but in terms of his IR approach, I mean, let's remember over a decade ago when he, when he shut down the airline. Now, that was in response to something like four to eight hours of, of industrial action, fairly low-level really industrial action uh, and his response was to completely shut the airline down for a weekend and leave tens of thousands of Australians stranded uh, all around the world basically uh, in order to ensure uh, he didn't have to, to pay workers more money and, and give them more job security. That, that was effectively uh, what he was doing and, and by and large got away with it at that point and really ever since then we've seen the creation of uh, or the, the use of 38 different entities by Qantas to splinter the workforce each time to employ people on lower wages and conditions. Uh, and, and, of course, then now this now illegal, um, you know, biggest illegal sacking in, in the history of Australia that, that was, uh, you know, that, that they, as the federal court found at the time, Qantas saw as a vanishing window of opportunity because these workers couldn't take action with no planes flying in the air, so let's get rid of them um, while we can get away with it. And, of course, you know, Timed as well, don't forget that the minute JobKeeper ran out, i.e. Qantas was getting free labour, that's when these workers all lost their jobs. They said at that point, right, now you can now you can disappear because we're going to have to pay for, uh, for, for labour again. So all the while the taxpayer subsidising this illegal activity, I mean, it's just, when you think about this rain, um, it, it's... It's just, it's really outrageous and, and, and we really should long remember this. This is not something that Australians should lightly forget because there'll be another Alan Joyce. At some point, there'll be another Alan Joyce and we need to be able to call out this behaviour early before it gets to a point like this. Well, you know, uh, Qantas received $2.7 billion in taxpayer subsidy during the pandemic and surprise, surprise, their record $2.5 billion pre-tax profit was recorded in August this year. And this is the thing that every Australian should be, you know, very, very mad about, that, you know, taxpayers bailed this airline out. Don't forget, um, the Morrison government was happy to let Virgin you know, wither in the vine and, and see the, the destruction of a second major airline in 20 years in this country, but at the same time uh, bailed out uh, Qantas to the tune of $2.7 billion. Uh, and and then what do we see as, as a result of that? We see record high airfares for Qantas customers and record low levels of, of service through no fault of the people working hard, but the fact that um, that, you know, so many people had, had forcefully disappeared over that time. And, and of course, we see the treatment uh, of workers, whether it be um, the gun-to-the-head approach that Joyce uh, and his cronies employed, which was um, basically take this offer or if you don't, we'll, we'll find people to do this work at lesser rates of pay or, in this instance, illegally uh, outsource them. So, you know, th there aren't too many 
people in the country that aren't in some way touched by the behaviour of Qantas and, and Alan Joyce in particular with his uh, management regime. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that one thing we need to remember here is that the chairman of the board, who was complicit in all of this, that backed in Alan Joyce all the way, is still there trying to claim that he can uh, be part of the way to turn this airline around. Well, you know, I, I think people, it is beyond belief to most people that he could think he could stay in this role uh, and see out this so-called reform program, given, you know, it, it was him behind uh, all of these all of these sins that have been committed over the last few years. So, I mean, I, I think he has to go for the good of the, the good of the airline, frankly, for the good of the country. We all want Qantas to succeed. Uh, and he's got to go to give to give this new team a bit of clear air and to bring someone else in who can say, right, let's start again, let's bring a new approach in, uh, let's treat workers, let's treat customers, let's treat the Australian people the way they deserve to be treated. Well, the customers, let's get to the customers because uh, as a, a um, what is it, a business model, cutting workers and outsourcing uh, in this way, they maintained they were going to... Uh, um, cut a hundred million dollars from their bills. Uh, however, that what they've done is uh, opened themselves up to a massive class action against them because of the way they've treated their customers. Yeah, and and you know this is it, right? It's the whole truly. They've they've lost the trust of the Australian taxpayer. They've they've well and truly for many years lost trust of their workforce, and finally. Um, you know their customers have, have had enough, and and we now, you know, it's revealed the the so-called ghost flight scandal, where you know they continue to sell tickets on on flights that uh, that no longer exist. I mean, you know, this is this sort of stuff is starting to get beyond belief, really. And um, and and you know, there's some very very loyal Qantas customers I know that have said enough's enough. Um, we need to. Um, you know, we we, we we want to look elsewhere because we're just sick of this and we're sick of being treated, unless we've got a ticket to the, the chairman's lounge, we're sick of being treated the way this airline's treating us. And it's not the fault of the people on the ground who, who are trying very, very hard to help customers. But but how can under-resourced people in call centres, you know, not, there's not enough baggage handlers, cabin cleaners, flight uh, uh, cabin crew, I should say, pilots, you know, all of these people have been for really over a decade now, been trodden on and trodden on and trodden on, and it just gets to a, a certain point here. So I think that um, customers are, are, of Qantas have, uh, have rightfully uh, should be angry about all of this. Yes, so you say that the uh, many of those workers will not be reinstated, but uh, that the uh, legislation that's going through Parliament closes a loophole for outsourced workers where where people are going to be paid the same uh, money for the same job, so therefore outsourcing will really become less attractive in a money sense. But TWU has also said that you reckon that there should be a new board for Qantas and that uh, there should be a workers' representative on that board. Yeah, well, that, that, that's right. So you're right. I mean, none of these 1,700 illegally sacked workers are going to get their job back. But if the legislation before Parliament was in place three years ago, this wouldn't have happened because the whole point, regardless of the legal technicalities, the whole point of doing this was so that Qantas could bring in workforces and pay them uh, less money in conditions with less secure jobs. Now, if that incentive is removed, um, then 
there's no attractive proposition to outsource people. And that's what we see, you know, in, in many industries, in aviation, in mining, where you've got, you know, labour hire has a place, but labour hire is there really to deal with temporary labour shortages or, or peaks in the, in, in, the, in the market, not as a full-time workforce that is there basically on, on lower wages and conditions than, than people working next to them. So that, that's, that's the first thing. And the second thing is, look, this board has to go. Certainly the chairman of this board has to go. We saw with the scandals, you know, in, in Crown and Star that, that complete boards, complete management structures went to put a broom through the place and give the place a fresh start and a fresh approach. There's no reason that shouldn't happen, certainly with this chairman and, and, and this board really uh, as well. And we would say it is time for a worker representative on this board. Workers under the Joyce regime uh, for 15 years... Uh, were just seen as second-class citizens and were there to be told what was going to happen uh, and not to push back in any meaningful way. And if they did, uh, other workers would come in around them to do the work at lower rates of pay all day, or in this, you know, in this case, they would be illegally sacked. Well, hopefully, if there's a worker representative at the board, when these sorts of things are being discussed, um, they can put a certain perspective there to say, well, hang on a minute, have you thought about this and this and this and how it's going to affect the lives and the fa- lives of the families of your, you know, loyal workforce that are out there every day doing the right thing. But one suspects that that never happened with this board, that Alan Joyce would walk in and Richard Goyer would agree and everyone else would just sit there and nod and not think about the impact it would have on their uh, on their loyal staff. So um, I think given, given the sins we've seen at this company, it only makes sense to have a worker representative on the board. And the other thing is... Uh, you've pointed out that executive bonuses tied to the degradation of pay and working conditions um, is something that needs to uh, be halted. Well, I mean, it's just outrageous, isn't it? Alan Joyce, it's revealed in the annual report, uh, you know, is still potentially going to walk away with $21 million. It's pretty, it's pretty difficult, even when you read that report, to work out whether there's potentially more bonuses or whether there's only the potential to claw existing ones back. But in any event, $21 million, given where the airline is at, is, you know, it is just mind-boggling stuff. I mean, you know, most of your listeners would think, geez, if I did, if I did something, you know, 1% as bad as Alan Joyce did, I'd be frog-marched out the door, let alone, let alone all the things that have happened in the last, uh, under his watch, certainly in the last little while. So we've got to have a look at the way these executive bonuses are framed because it appears that so long as the price of shares continues to rise, no matter what you do, you get rewarded for it. So even though, you know, you can damage the brand, you can you, you can illegally sack workers, you can force customers um, to endure high fares and low service levels, so long as somehow the share price is maintained, people being rewarded. And, and I think that's got to be looked at as the approach for this company. Is that really the best interest of shareholders, that all of those groups of people uh, are treated in that way? And um, I, and I, I think the answer has to be no. And on in that basis, you know, bonuses have got to be based on, you know, the whole performance of the airline, not just on, on sort of basically how much money certain people are going to make at any given moment. Yeah, well, you know, you, I just can't get over the fact that there were uh, flights that uh, were advertised that weren't even um, going to fly and they won't pay people back and that people's uh, luggage was lost for three months and he left early because he knew that uh, he could smell the change of the wind. Well, I mean, this is it. He's the corporate coward, really, isn't he? I mean, he's happy to be there um, while the money's there to be made and, and while he's getting 
you know, whatever plaudits from whatever whatever angle. But the minute that um, things start to go wrong, and, and, you know, one would think, given his position, he knew things were about to get even worse after he uh, after he left. Uh, he he, uh, he gets out and leaves it for, for other people to fix up the job. Meanwhile, I'm not sure what he made in his time at Qantas, but it's certainly in excess of $100 million um, during that entire span. I mean, you know, you... you, you, you you really wonder what is going on there, uh, and there's, there's just this is why we say there's got to be a complete clean out of that board, and frankly, the whole approach to the way the companies operate, because this is a company at the end of the day that Australians want to succeed, they want to love, they want to fly with, um, but at the moment, this particular board is making that very, very difficult for us to cop. Thanks very much for talking to me. My pleasure, Annie. We've just been speaking with Assistant National Secretary of the TWU, the Transport Workers' Union, Nick McIntosh, about the win in the High Court against Qantas, where it was ruled that the company had illegally outsourced 1,700 jobs during the pandemic. This decision exposes the airline to a mammoth compensation bill in a major win for the Transport Workers' Union. Just to finish off the report, it was confirmed by Crikey that the last sighting of Alan Joyce, the former Qantas CEO, who set the ball rolling in the illegal sackings, was when he took an Emirate flight out of the country, accompanied by a security detail, so that he wouldn't have to deal with the pesky public. That's it for Stick Together this week. If you want to catch up with the program, the podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or on iTunes or Spotify. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by ringing 03 9419 and leaving us a message. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together. We'll go out with a number, especially for Alan. All my bags are packed. I'm ready to go. I'm standing here outside your door. I hate to wake you up. Say goodbye But the dawn is breaking It's early morn Taxi's waiting He's blowing his horn Already I'm so lonesome I could cry So kiss me And smile for me Tell me that you'll wait for me Hold me like you'll never let me go I'm leaving on a jet plane I don't know when I'll be back again Oh babe, I hate to go There's so many times I've let you down So many times I've played around I tell you now they don't mean a thing Every place I go I think of you Every song I sing I sing for you When I come back I'll wear your wedding ring So kiss me 
for me Hold me like you'll never let me go I'm a leaving on a jet plane I don't know when I'll be back again Oh babe, I hate to go Now the time has come to leave you One more time Let me kiss you Then close your eyes I'll be on my way Dream about the days to come When I won't have to leave alone About the time I won't have to say Kiss me and smile for me Tell me that you'll wait for me Hold me like you'll never let me go Oh, babe, I hate to go.